Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the elders, the pastor here at the church, and uh, I've been off for four weeks. It's good to be back. Thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful for the men who filled in for me <clears throat> in my absence. Uh, for Peter, Wade, Patrick, and James, they did a great job sharing. Do you agree? <clears throat> I am <clears throat> very blessed to get to work uh, with men that take seriously the call of God, the purposes of God, and uh, are committed to him and to one another and seeing those things happen here in our midst, here in this community as a spiritual family and also the community abroad beyond us. So uh, it's, it's great to have men such as these that could share with us. Uh, Don and I had a wonderful time of rest and, uh, and recharge. Uh, we got to spend the week with our family at the beach, which is something we do every year. And then we got to spend another week uh, in Blue Ridge and had a wonderful time up there in the mountains, uh, beautiful sunsets and movies every night. That was my wife's dream right there. Uh, I'm here to say that God blessed us. We got to pick five movies for five consecutive nights, not five movies a night. Now see, one movie for five consecutive nights and we hit 100% on every one of those movies. We were very excited. It's a real blessing for us, so you should applaud for that, but you don't have to. <clears throat> you don't know the strife uh, in our household trying to pick a movie. Uh, oh, Lord, for his grace. And so he gave us grace. It was wonderful. And, uh, and we were blessed with more time, too. And so I just want to thank the elders and uh, the church, all of you, for supporting us uh, as the pastor here. Nine years I celebrated on June 1st, and I'm not going anywhere, but uh, I'm, I'm mindful that that's a significant um, point, and, uh, and in another nine years, I'll be 68 years old. I don't know how that's possible, uh, but um, I'm mindful that the Lord uh, is wanting us to invest in young leaders, um, uh, emerging leaders. And that he's wanting us to make disciples who make disciples. And our church is way more than me, thank God. It is a community of believers doing the work of the ministry. And that's all of you as a part. So I just, that's my personal note to all of you. Thank you for supporting us. And uh, now let's get into the message. I remember one of the uh, first times I ever heard God speak to me. I was 19 and just two years previous, I had moved 1,100 miles away from my home in arid and dry Roswell, New Mexico, and all the way to hot, muggy, and humid Mobile, Alabama. It was quite a culture shock. Um, it was a shock to the system on so many levels. I moved there because I wanted to be discipled and trained by some gifted musicians there uh, in leading worship. It was my real heart. Even as a young person, I, I really loved worship and I played from the guitar and the piano and I really was inspired to lead worship. Some of those leaders went on in the 80s to start uh, one of the most significant uh, worship label, al album labels, uh, Integrity's Hosanna Music. And they were some really talented, gifted, godly people that I was going to be discipled by, and I was very excited. I was also going to go to college, so I went to the University of South Alabama, 
And to be honest, all of that was certainly God's leading that got me there. But I'm not sure I would say that I heard God's voice in that moment, more like a sense that God was directing me there. But this time felt different. I felt something of an urgency and um, something very direct to my heart. It was, while I was alone in my room, I, was, I had my guitar and I was just playing and worshiping. And I felt like everything zeroed in on this one phrase that dropped into my heart. Preach the gospel to your generation. Preach the gospel to your generation. Now, you, you gotta understand, this was not my plan. I, I was a worshiper. <laughs> I wasn't a preacher. Uh, I was someone, I was a musician. I was someone that wanted to give myself in preparation and, and be like David, worshiping before the Lord. <clears throat> My focus was on finishing my accounting degree uh, and maybe leading worship for our college group and marrying this pretty little girl that's sitting here on the front row. That was my focus. I hadn't thought about preaching or teaching or pastoring. I, I hadn't thought about that at all. And now this, this phrase is ringing in my heart. I'm like, where did that come from? Preach the gospel to your generation. You know, just a few days later, I'm reading the Bible and, and I come across this verse in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 16, where Paul is defending his ministry to those that he'd ministered to earlier. And he says this, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe, <clears throat> woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Man, those words just leaped right off the page at me. It was like it, it snagged me because something had been burning already in me. And I'm like, that is it. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, I came to believe over the course of several days, weeks, and months, through lots of prayer and through really submitting this to those that I trusted, older, more mature people that... Uh, that I could entrust myself to, the one who was discipling me, Donna's dad, Brother John, who, by the way, was called into ministry with the same verse, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So I kind of got a few brownie points with him on that one too. And since I was still hoping to marry his daughter, that worked out in my advantage. And after several processes of prayer and consulting, I came to believe that this indeed was what God was speaking specifically to me, and it changed my life. It changed the course of my life. By the way, Donna will tell you that when I mentioned it to her, she wasn't very excited. You see, she was a pastor's kid, a preacher's daughter. She didn't really wanna marry one. And so God had to speak to her too, <laughs> and he did. But what was really ironic about this is during this time in our lives, there was another young man in our community that claimed God was speaking to him. And he one day came to Donna and pronounced to her 
that God had told him that he was going to marry her. Now, they didn't know that we were dating because we kind of kept it under the radar. Her dad was a presiding pastor. It was kind of a big church. And I'm not saying that any of those nice, kind people gossiped, but we just thought we would be led not to tell them. How's that? And so this young man didn't know that she and I had been dating for well over a year. And so he came to her and he said, and I'm going to just... I'm going to, to protect his name, I'm going to call him Gary. Gary just showed up and said, God told me I'm going to marry you. And she said, well, he needs to tell me. <laughs> it was a really awkward moment. And needless to say, Gary's not my favorite person in the world. <laughs> By the way, Gary did end up marrying a very nice young lady. And I, I, I trust that they've had a wonderful life. <laughs> I do, I promise. <laughs> Hearing God's voice is one of the best things we could ever learn to do. But it's also sometimes one of the hardest. It's one of the most confusing and perplexing at times. We hear people all the time say things like, God told me, fill in the blank. Or God said this. And sometimes it might happen and sometimes it might not. I'm mindful of that in our last election where a lot of prophets were telling us what things were gonna happen. And I wonder where those prophets are today. Have they recanted what they said? Did they miss it? I heard that, yes. <laughs> it was a rhetorical question, but I'm glad you answered it. <laughs> Hearing God's voice can be a bit perplexing but it's essential. Uh, Pete Gregg in his book, uh, How to Hear God, says, with four words, let there be light, God created more than 100 billion galaxies. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. What on earth might happen if he were to speak a few words to me? The creative magnitude of what God speaks. Put the world into place. Put the stars in the sky. Breathe life into man. His word is powerful. But it's also confusing because God does not work for the most part like we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the way he speaks is not always the way that we would speak to one another. And this means that we can easily misunderstand, misinterpret, or miss out altogether on what it is that God is saying. And yet, Jesus seems to make the whole thing about hearing God just straightforward and relational. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. They hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The primary mark of true discipleship is a posture of attentiveness, attentiveness towards his word the word translated as listen in the passage from uh, that passage in John is uh, akuo. 
And it means uh, acoustic. That's where we get our word acoustic from. And we may feel like dumb and defenseless sheep, um, but God has promised to be our shepherd who would, who would carry us and lead us through all of the dark and, da- and, and dank, <laughs> dank valleys and that he would carry us and we would have to listen to the nuance and the acoustic, the tone of his voice. The primary mark of being a disciple is that you hear his voice. But hearing his voice, as I said, can be confusing like our friend Gary, um, because he doesn't speak like we do. Over the next several weeks, what my attempt is to do for us is to talk through with you about how to hear God's voice, how he speaks to us, uh, both in written word and through the Holy Spirit. He speaks prophetically and even in circumstances that his voice can become increasingly clear and that it's vital to us, not just important, but vital. And it's why the 17th century lay brother at a Parisian monastery named Brother Lawrence would say this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend who practice and experience it. And Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God writes, people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God speaking and being spoken to. And Andrew Murray said, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. And maybe two of my most favorite leaders in the whole wide world, Jamie Johnson and Molly Johnson, wrote in their new book, Forgotten Pieces. There are no words so important as the ones he has to say. And obeying what he says, even when it's difficult or you don't understand why, will heal every hurt in your heart and lead you into an adventurous, high-impact life, better, fuller, and more effective than anything you could imagine. You should buy that book. To show us how Jesus is speaking and how we ought to listen, I want us to look at a passage. If you have your Bible or device, you can turn with me to Luke 24, verse 13, or you can see it on the screen. It's the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who unknowingly meet up with the Jesus that they had seen crucified just three days earlier, but now he's raised from the dead. N.T. Wright says that if we will learn to live inside this particular story, these guys on the road to Emmaus or this couple, potentially a married couple on the road to Emmaus, if we will learn to live inside this, we will find that it is inexhaustible. And it gives us, I believe, great insight into how God speaks and how we're to listen. And it can help us in our journey that we're traveling today. So let's look together. Luke 24, 13. The very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It's late Sunday afternoon, the very day that Jesus rose from the dead. But these two are still confused. They're heading to Emmaus, which is probably their home. When Jesus, the Bible says, draws near, he drew near. And that is our very first bit of good news when it comes to hearing God. When we, each of us in our journeys, no matter what path that we're on, whenever we're in distress and we need to hear God, Jesus draws near. And that's good news. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? How coy, Jesus. I'm always intrigued by the questions that Jesus asks us. He asks questions like <laughs> he's on a boat sleeping, his disciples are with him and a storm comes up and Jesus is just sleeping right through it. And they're afraid, these big, strong, brave fishermen who should know about being in a boat are afraid they're about to drown. And they finally wake up Jesus, do something, do something, do something. And Jesus looks at them and says, why are you afraid? Or what about this, the guy that comes up to Jesus and wants to kind of get something from him and he says, good teacher. And Jesus looks at him and says, why do you call me good? Or what about James and John who wanted those seats of prestige on his left and right? And Jesus looked at them and said, can you drink the cup that I will drink? Or what about those that had little faith? And he said, where is your faith? Or when he said, do you believe? Or when he said, who do you say that I am? Jesus is always asking questions and he hasn't stopped. He's still asking questions today. The, the question is, do we have ears to hear what he's asking? He's not uninformed. That's not why he's asking. He's asking because he's relational and because we need to hear ourselves say what our answer is to his question. Let's continue. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. How ironic that they are telling what happened to Jesus 
to Jesus. I wonder how what they were saying might have changed if they realized who he was. If they had realized that this was the Lord, what would their words be? How would their tone change? Where would their faith level be? And the question for us, when we're attempting to hear the Lord and hear his voice, is do we know who we're talking to? Do we pray to the one who was risen from the dead, who defeated death in the grave, and who gave us eternal life? Or do we pray as if we're informing someone about all the disaster that we've suffered? Jesus is the one who changes everything. And when we pray, we should pray like it. How would your prayers change if you realize this? Look how Jesus responds in verse 25. And he said to them, "'O foolish ones,' And slow to heart, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. Of course, we know what happened. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. N.T. Wright says that this story is a model for a great deal of what it means to be a Christian, even today, where Jesus will join us in our journey, even when we are unaware that he's there where he walks into our confusion and into our despair, just like he did with these two. He's waiting for us to invite him in, into our questions, into our relationships, into our homes. And as we do, we find our hearts catch on fire as his words begin to come life to life to us and bring life and scripture burst forth and leaps off the page. And we start to realize that he's been there all along, walking and talking with us, asking and answering questions of us, realigning our thinking, teaching us how to pray, teaching us how to listen, teaching us how to hear his voice. Pete Gregg says in that book that I quoted earlier that in these 20 verses or so, Jesus communicates in at least five different ways. First, conversationally, as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Second, exegetically, where he explained and he, ex he explained and expanded upon the scriptures concerning himself. 
Third, sacramentally, where he took bread, not his job, by the way. That's the house owner's job. But he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and gave thanks. Fourth, prophetically, when their eyes were opened, as if the prophetic word of God had struck their heart. And finally, inwardly, he was speaking directly to their hearts to the point that their hearts burned within them. You know, God can speak all sorts of ways, not limited to just these five, but it's intriguing to me that in this story, we see him using all five to speak to his followers. He can use dreams, he can use visions, he can use angels, he can use a donkey. God is not limited in how he speaks. But this story shows us that hearing God comes in a variety of ways and that learning to hear him takes a lifetime of learning, experiencing, and obeying him. The more we are intimately connected to him, united with him, joined with him, walking in step with him, walking in the spirit with him, the more we have ears of our heart that can hear what he is saying. For hearing his voice is wrapped up, not just in the way he speaks, but that he speaks. Because hearing him means hearing him. Him, Jesus. Jesus is the preeminent and ultimate word of God. Jesus, he is the one. When you hear God, it begins and ends with Jesus. Hearing his voice is wrapped up in him. As the apostle John said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen this glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is what God sounds like. He is God's word made flesh. Hearing his voice is not so much a skill we master, it's the master we meet. And that's why Jesus made abundantly clear that it's not just scripture, but also the one scripture bears witness to who is speaking. He said to his listeners in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and that it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Even today, there are many who search scripture, but what they need is the one scripture points to. They need Jesus. He is the living word. And as the writer of Hebrews points out long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He spoke by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. How are you doing? How are we doing in our relationship with Jesus? 
Do you hear him speaking? Have you heard him speak? Is your prayer life a monologue or is it a dialogue? Do you have certain predispositions when it comes to hearing God, thinking that it can only be a certain way? How has he spoken to you before? What has he said to you before? When was the last time you felt the Lord through the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? How are you doing looking at him, looking for him, speaking today and then in the days to come? Is there a time in your life when Jesus drew near? Do you remember it? Would you like to have that again? He makes clear that in your journey, he will draw near. How did he speak? What did he say? Have you been praying as if Jesus was an uninterested party? Or do you pray with the awareness that he rose from the dead and defeated death and hell and that he gave us eternal life? I pray that in these days that we will be a people that hear his voice. We will be a people that are accountable to one another so that we can confirm when God has spoken to us. Not lone rangers running around saying this is what God said and that's what God said and not being accountable for what we say because we will miss it sometimes. But I pray that we will be his people who hear his voice because those are the kind of sheep I want us to be. May God help us in these days. Amen. Donna's gonna come and we're gonna pray for you. It's good to have her back too, isn't it? Oswald Chambers talks about hearing God's voice and he uses two words. He says it's the discipline of hearing and it's the devotion of hearing. And I was really struck by both and when you ended with those pieces from um, Pete's book about how he speaks conversationally exegetally, sacramentally, prophetically and inwardly it really takes both of those together we have to have a discipline of hearing so that when he speaks we hear and obey yeah but we need to hear confident in the relationship that he loves us. We don't have to be afraid of what he's going to say because he loves us. Mm. And I think sometimes we don't listen. Because we're afraid. Because we don't want to know as though anything the good father would say to us would be bad. Yeah. He means us good and only good and even his correction is good. So when I pray for me and us today, I'm praying that whatever has a hiccup in your hearing, if it's the discipline part, presenting yourself to hear, or if it's the devotion part, hearing because you love him and understand that he loves you, that the spirit would touch that today. Yes, amen. Would you join us as we pray? God, we recognize that your speaking flows from who you are, that your heart is for us, 
In fact, your heart is for none to perish. And so you speak today. You're speaking here in every heart. You're speaking for the ones we are praying for, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for members of our families that aren't walking with you, benefiting from your love and your care. We want to be your people who hear and in hearing believe and in believing act. So I pray God that your spirit would find willing ears today that you would speak to us in our hearts conversationally that you would open our hearts to your word explaining who you are and what you mean and what you require of us. Yes. And then, Father, may we be not just hearers, yes. but doers. That's right. We thank you, Lord, for the power that is in your word, the creative magnitude of what you say put the world into place, the stars in the sky. It's breathed breath into our lives. I pray, Lord, that the same creative magnitude of your word would be accessible to us, that you would tune our hearts to hear you, that your acoustics would be um, agreeable with us, that we could Tune up to you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that in these days when so many voices are declaring aloud, this is the way, walk in it, that the voice we would be listening to is the good shepherd. For we're your sheep, and you promise that your sheep hear your voice. Lead us, good shepherd. Yes. Jesus' name. Amen.